All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Vols by weekend time, Vols football by weekend time, big week for Vol hoops time, big, big weekend for Vols hoops time, big week coming up for Vols football time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, West Rucker coming to you right here from Fort Rucker Studio, hope all out. Y'all out there are having a good Monday morning, if I can get my words out of my mouth correctly. You're going to hear from the entire staff on this this episode this morning, but we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to start with a little bit of a football discussion to do that. Uh, we've got uh, our guys Ryan Callahan from his house and Patrick Brown from his house, which is everyone who knows Pat knows he's a very uh, public, public person, so everyone knows his address and, and all that good stuff. So, fellas, how are we doing tonight? Doing this pretty morning, well this morning, I should say. Yeah, it's yeah. How, how was the Those good complaints here? Yeah, good, good, uh, good, good bye weekend for everybody. Good bye weekend. Yeah, uh, went to see uh, went to see Garth Brooks along with uh, a good portion of Knoxville, I guess, and froze at that thir- uh, Saturday night. It wasn't yeah. quite as bad as I thought it would be, but eighty thousand. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. Still a fun, still a fun weekend, even though uh, there was no no football game. And yeah, I got to watch more football than we got to watch probably the rest of the season for the most part, because as anyone out there who knows beat writers uh, probably knows no one watches less college football than, than beat writers in most cases, because you're watching one team and all you get to see is pretty much what you get to see in the press box. A lot of days. That's very, very true. And Pat, I know you're going to want to tell everybody what you did. So you want to just make up some story about something you didn't really do. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not telling any of you clowns what I did. I love it. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, uh, cause I didn't put this on our board, so it's out there. Okay. Um, I, I did go to the, uh, Clemson Wake Forest game. My dad lives over in Greenville. Uh, and he's been trying to get me to come to a game and see a game at Clemson and see a game at death Valley for uh, a long time. Obviously I've had uh, pretty busy Saturdays for the last few years. So it's not been able to work. Um, so I was going to go to their Thursday night game against Georgia tech back in August. Uh, cause that was supposed to be season opener, uh, I think they were unveiling the national championship stuff, all that ACC network launch, all that stuff. Uh, didn't work out though. I had a family situation, but, uh, did get to go to their game against Wake Forest yesterday. Uh, it looked like the varsity playing the JV. Um, yeah, Clawson's done a good job there, but that, that's a tough matchup. There was uh yeah, the eye test was definitely not in Wake Forest's favor. Um, and, I. It, uh, they had nobody that could handle T Higgins. So um, I think he caught three touchdowns in the first half. Uh, I think 52 to three was the final. Yeah. I think, I think Clemson covered, right? It was like in the forties or something. What was the spread? Do you remember? No, it wasn't that big. It was, uh, I think around 35. Yeah. Uh, and now wake is wake was had just one loss before, uh, um, before Virginia tech beat them the week before. So uh, Clemson is, yeah, they, they are, Offensively, at least, they are as advertised. Um, but I'm interested to see once if they, you know, assuming they get in the playoff, I'm interested to see how they handle it if they actually have to play a tight game because they haven't had to play one in a while because they've just been blowing out all these ACC teams. Because their league sucks, yes. Uh, that That is what it is. We do have a lot of Tennessee stuff to discuss, guys. We're going to mention uh, Tennessee basketball is going to be the, the final uh, the final segment of this episode. Obviously, big weekend for the Vols. They went up to uh, Toronto in Canada, the Great White North. 
uh, the Drake White North. Uh, they went there to uh, the house that uh, Kawhi Leonard used to operate in before he moved across the country and to another country, I guess I should say. Vol 75, Washington 62. Uh, it was a 20, 20th ranked Washington, but Tennessee obviously – uh, some people, myself included, kind of thought Tennessee would win that game. Ken Palm thought Tennessee would win that game. Uh, you know, the the BPI for ESPN thought Tennessee would win that game. But Tennessee goes out there and takes care of business. We'll have plenty to discuss there. Also, a lot of stuff going around in college football, even though we're going to primarily discuss Tennessee, obviously, in this podcast. Um, just a big, big, big Saturday, uh, basically, for the college football world with uh, Tua Tungabailoa going down with that just nasty Bo Jackson-looking hip injury. Um, you know, and, and when you when he first went down, I was watching that game, and I watched the play live, and I just thought he kind of, you know, had broken his nose or something because his face slammed into the turf, and you, you saw there was some blood coming out, and I was like, oh, I bet that's going to be a shiner. That's not going to feel good. But then you realize when he gets up, he can't put any weight at all on that right leg, and you just go – you watch the replay again, and you go, oh, no. And you watch that hip, and, and it's just, man – I know that this is a Tennessee podcast, and I know the third Saturday in October is real, and I know Tennessee and Bama don't love each other. But I got to tell you, that's a great kid. Uh, everyone down there loves him for a reason, and it's just it's just really really awful to see that they're saying full recovery, guys, and I hope so because it, it would be it, it would be a crime to to not get to watch that kid play football anymore. Well, you're talking five months away from the NFL draft. You know, he, yeah. he might have been declaring to go pro, and now. Uh, I would say his decision is at least greatly complicated, if not uh, completely shelved. I mean, I, this almost makes you think he might have to come back uh, and sort of prove himself coming off that injury before an NFL team would take a chance. I, I don't know what you do in that situation coming out as a junior like this. Willis McGahee, you know, went ahead and went pro anyway. So, I mean, people have done it before after bad injuries. But yeah, I, I tell you, after the, you know, I just hope it's not as bad as the thing was with Bo Jackson because that was such a horrible situation and robbed us of one of the greatest athletes of any of our lives. So, you know, it, it would be unfortunate for that to happen. But that really shakes up the, the playoff race too because I, I got to tell you, there's a lot of talent on that team, um, but it's a different, different deal there with Mac Jones playing quarterback. The way that yeah. Tua, the way that Tua runs that RPO stuff – um, man, his, his quick trigger that he's got on that RPO, the way he can kind of tuck it, the decisions he makes, everything he does, he really is just an unbelievable quarterback. And I I think college football is better with him in it than without him in it. So I, I, I hope that we get to see him play college football again. But bottom line, I just hope he gets healthy, fellas, because that's a, that's a tough thing to see. Well, and for the playoff race, I don't know what you do if Alabama's at number four, if they beat Auburn, uh, you know, and don't look overwhelmingly impressive in that game. You know, what, how do you compare them to an Oregon or whoever might be in the picture with them there? That's going to be a really interesting decision if it comes down to that. Well, but, if it's Oregon, uh, Oregon lost to, to Auburn. So if, if Bama beats them with the backup quarterback, then that settles that. But yeah. there's going to be a lot of teams in there. Yeah, but you can't give Alabama the benefit of the doubt just because they played two games. I mean, uh, with just Mac. Jones and one of them was against Arkansas, which doesn't even really count. So um, I, I don't, I, I never bought the argument that Alabama should be in just because it's Alabama. So, um, but that that's an you know that's a an aside conversation from from the two injury just because, uh, like I said, he's he's a guy that's well respected across uh, the the SEC and across the country from players and analysts and people that know him. So uh, and, and like Ryan said, the toughest part of it for me is that he's how many months away from being a multimillionaire? Five, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's the toughest part to me is that he was um, up, you know, he gets hurt in a 35-7 game that Alabama's got in the bag. Uh, I know it was the second quarter, but uh, it's just, it's it's really unfortunate and you hate to see it, but I mean, it's part of the game. And um, it, 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 thinking about some of the things that, that we've heard about him makes me think that 
uh, if there's a way he'll get back and get back stronger, then then he'll be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say that that I agree with you, Pat, about the the, the playoff thing. But uh, Auburn is a tough place to go play, and I believe that game is on the plains this season. And and Auburn, uh-huh. the only games they've lost this this season have just been absolute rock so, fights. They've been close. So if they go there and if they blow out Auburn at Auburn, I think they they can get back in. But I think they have to go there and win pretty so, aggressively. So they have they just basically have one game to get in. I don't I don't I don't buy that. I think you do have to win your conference. I, I'd rather. Uh, I'd rather see conference champions duke it out than teams that finish second in their division get in just because of uh, the name on the jersey. But that's just me. I mean, that, that's going to be their best win, even if they do win that game. Because I agree. Um, and the rest of the, the rest of their wins this season aren't going to be much to write home about, um, other than what going to Texas A&M and winning. Yeah, which I mean, probably going up seven and five. So I guess it's going to um, depend on what the resumes of the other ones say, because you know you'll you'll have. Um, you know, you'll have some other teams in there, Oklahoma, that you know that got some bad losses. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. It's it's tough because if you say you want all the conference champions, then what about when the SEC clearly has two or three of the best teams in the country? It's a tough argument. Um, it, but it's you know, it would be really fun, guys, if we could cover a team that would start, like kind of in this discussion again. Wouldn't that be kind of neat? <laughs> that that day will come again. I I don't know when, but it will come again. Um, well, hey, one thing we did get to see this weekend, we got to see. Uh, a little bit more of Tennessee's next opponent. Uh, I got to sit and watch a little bit, at least, of Florida and Missouri on Saturday and and saw Missouri uh, hang around for a while and then sort of lay another egg. Yeah, that that was uh, that that was a. Uh... That was an ugly game, fellas. Uh, I watched pretty much every snap of it, and it, it was not a pretty game. Florida put together a couple drives, um, and other than that, just Mizzou really couldn't do anything. You know, it, it, and there would be times where, you know, they would draw up on the on the board or whatever. How Dooley was basically calling a really, really great play, and how just somehow the execution broke down. Either the quarterback didn't see the receiver, the receiver, you know, should have should have turned before he did, or or the blocking wasn't there. Uh, they're just really scuffling on offense, and I thought maybe with Bryant coming back, uh, they they would start to click again. They've been really good at home all year, um, but that that was not that that was not pretty. And and that team, you know, Pat, we've talked about it a lot, but but what that team had been through, you know, they they kind of have a lot going for them. I mean, they're ranked just about six weeks ago or so, and then they just kind of start falling and falling and falling and falling, and now they're not even undefeated at home anymore. And and you wonder. You know, I'm sure they'll beat Arkansas and get to a bowl, but you know, this just does not look like well, the they, team we thought they won't get to a bowl because they're not allowed right now. Well, if, if yeah, if the NCAA lets them in, we'll see if they do that. But regardless, just crazy, isn't it, to to look at that and think, is that the same team we saw early in the season? Because it doesn't look like it. Neither does Tennessee well, in a good way. But yeah, I know. I mean, uh, I mean, it's what you get with Barry Odom. I w- I thought he had a ten win team last year, and they went eight and five. So. Um, this year, I think they have at worst an eight-win team, and and they might get to six, uh, or they you know might get to six, might get to seven. So, um, I, I don't, I'm I'm not all that enamored with the coaching job. I think they have a really good roster. Um, I, I think other coaches around the league would say they have a really good roster. Um, of course, they don't have one of their best defensive players in Kale Garrett. And he was yeah, a linebacker, really had over good. I think 100 tackles the last two seasons. Got hurt in October. He's one of the best um, players in the league. Yeah, yeah, just kind of one of the the best guys that nobody's probably heard of. Um, just because Missouri doesn't get a lot of national attention. But, yeah, offensively, I think it's, what, 27 points in the past four games of this losing yep. streak. Yeah. Um, and it's not like they, you know, yeah, they played at Georgia, and, and Florida's defense is obviously really good. But uh, they scored, you know, 14 against Vanderbilt, which everybody's scoring about 40 points a game on Vanderbilt, this seems like, this year. Um, <clears throat> and then Kentucky, too, they only scored seven. I think Kentucky's a def- decent defensive team. But 
I kept I, I did watch probably most of the first three quarters of that uh, Florida Missouri game, and my thought was Tennessee will be right at home in this kind of low scoring defensive slugfest if that's what it turns mm-hmm. out to be. Um, and that's what it seems like it's going to be because that's sort of what Missouri's been on offense for the last few months or last month um, and so last few weeks. But um, just because Kelly Bryant's been hurt, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, he's obviously not the same kind of runner uh, as he would be if he's healthy, uh, which is, you know, it's the risky run when you have running quarterbacks and they take a beating like this. But uh, w- when you take that element out of his game, um, it, it really sort of, uh, it's like him playing with one arm behind his back. And so that, that's that's hard for him to do. Florida was able to turn him into a pocket passer. I'm sure Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ainsley will try to do the same uh, on Saturday night in Columbia. So uh, I, I think this is a game Tennessee shouldn't go in thinking Missouri is unbeatable. This was a game going into the season I thought might be tough for Tennessee because Missouri can score. They can move the ball. They are two-dimensional. Uh, um, but that's when Bryant is at full speed, and he's not clearly not. Um, and I think that that should play maybe into Tennessee's favor uh, going into that game. You know what I thought was yeah, really – oh, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think this is a – it's a much friendlier-looking matchup, like you said, Patrick, than I thought at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, the fact that Missouri hasn't scored a touchdown in the last two games, I mean, all six points came on two field goals against Florida, didn't score at all against Georgia. So he scored three touchdowns in the past four games, and two of them were against Vanderbilt. So this is not a team. This is a team going in the opposite direction from Tennessee, I feel like, which is why I was stunned when the line came out for this game on Sunday and and, and it opened with, what, Tennessee is six-point favorite and quickly dropped to five. Um, so seeing seeing Tennessee open as almost a touchdown underdog, I mean, I understand it's on the road. It's a place where Tennessee's only won once. It's two teams with identical records, and Missouri does have some talent and and some reasons to think they could give Tennessee a, a, a very good game. But I, I don't know, just see, seeing these two teams play recently, that the eye test what would lead you to believe Tennessee might be a slight favorite on the road, or if not, this might be essentially a pick em. And to see Missouri sort of open as a, as nearly a touchdown favorite, that's quite a bit of respect for a team that's not, not been playing well lately. So uh, we'll see if Kelly Bryant another week, you know, removed from that injury helps him a little bit. But like you said, he's, he's just not the same guy when he, he can't, can't use his legs quite as much and, and Missouri's run game hasn't been quite as effective lately. So that this is a matchup that on paper looks a, a lot better for Tennessee than I would have thought going into the season. It's a game that I would say Tennessee is more than capable of winning and maybe even should win the way it's been playing lately. Yeah. You know what I thought was actually interesting was that, that Florida, I wondered if Florida was, was putting too much pressure on Bryant, like that they, they were trying to hurry him and everything. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. nah, I don't know. You might just want to sit back a little bit and see if he can beat you with his arm because there was a couple times that he was able to kind of break contain, and, and he's still really, really elusive. Uh, he's still kind of hard to bring down. But you could tell uh, there was one play in particular where he kind of broke free, um, kind of got out of the pocket and ran to the right, and he had a, some room to run. But basically, all he did was run hard enough to make sure he got to the first down marker, and then he slowed up immediately and just got to the sideline. And, mm-hmm. and it's almost like a guy who's still thinking about his hamstring a little bit. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe you, you, you don't want to push him quite as hard. Maybe you want to see if he can beat you with his arm because you've been playing pretty well on the back end if you're Tennessee. Th- that's a lot to think about. But, you know, that Florida defense is good, but it's also playing without two of its best players right now. And, and it made – you know, Mizzou has been pretty good at home. I mean, had been just trucking people at home. And and, and I, I wonder now if this comes down to a situation where a lot of that game, that what happens on Saturday, will not have as much to do with Tennessee as it will Mizzou. And what I mean by that is 
how invested are those kids right now? Uh, they've been through a lot in the past, you know, month, five weeks. They were ranked. They were, they, you know, they, they kind of had us against the NCAA, this mentality. They had a really good, they have a really good quarterback. You know, Garrett's out there just crushing people on defense. They're, they're getting good stops. They're playing good kind of up front like they usually do. And they got a really good thing going. And now the bottom has just fallen out. And, and I think all of us, and I know actually all of us on this podcast, have seen what happens when a team starts sliding like that late in the season and when there's not as much to play for and when you have to try to start rallying people. And it can go either way, but a lot of times it goes the wrong way. And I think it'll be really interesting to see sort of how Mizzou is ready to play this game because I know what Tennessee's playing for. I know those guys feel pretty good. I know they're fired up. I wonder what's going on with, with Mizzou right now. Yeah, and that's that's a fair question, and especially because of like like Patrick mentioned, they're they're probably not they're not playing for a bowl game. You know, they they don't have anything to really play for at this point with the season turning sideways on them. Uh, you know, they, they've they've clearly got talent on this team, and they've they've played better earlier in the season. But with the way this is going for them, you know, that they, they don't have as much motivation to to go out there and fight for their season uh, Saturday night. So th- this is that that is an interesting setup. You've also got Tennessee coming off an open date, uh, getting some much needed rest from, you know, to heal some bumps and bruises of their own. Uh, that to me is the other big storyline of this game. And we'll find out more from, from Jeremy Pruitt, obviously later today and throughout the week about just sort of the status of some of their banged up players, maybe uh, coming off that open date, but you know, Bryce Thompson, Darnell, Wright, They've had some key players uh, banged up lately and, and we'll see, you know, how much that extra week of rest helped them and got them back closer to full strength. Everybody sort of, deals with those things uh, as you get later in the season but that's definitely a concern for Tennessee and I think they were sort of limping into the open date a little bit so yeah it, it's that and and to me it's you know Tennessee's got to continue taking care of the ball as they've shown all season but if they can you know get some guys back and and you know be closer to full strength and in and, and some key spots and and avoid turning the ball over I, I see this as a game Tennessee's gonna have a good chance of winning because you know again Missouri's not got all the motivation in the world and they're they're not playing particularly well and at least there's a book out on how to slow them down lately with how they've been playing and, you know, with or without Kelly Bryant. Yeah. I mean, it will be Missouri senior night. And I think they've got a, a group that's been through a lot and, and will want to obviously finish on a high note, but um, you know, that that's, uh, it, it's, it's a toss up game to me. I think it could go either way. I don't think there will be a lot of points score. Um, you know, I think, you know, Missouri's scored what 50 on Tennessee last each of the last two games. I don't, yeah. They were naming a score. I don't think that's, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. They don't have, uh, obviously, Drew Locke back there throwing the ball around. He was obviously uh, had three really good games against Tennessee because uh, I think the year before that they lost by 26 points, they still put up over 700 yards in that game. So um, this is not that kind of offense. Uh, it is a pretty good defense, though. Missouri is, I think, second in the SEC in total defense. So mm-hmm. um, Tennessee's work will, uh, Tennessee offense will certainly have uh, their work cut out for it. But uh, that'll be a good matchup for some of those receivers, too. It looks like Missouri likes to. Uh, play in your face on the perimeter and, and play a lot of bump and run and press coverage. So uh, that'll be an interesting matchup with uh, Juwan Jennings and, and Josh Palmer and Marquez Calloway and some of those guys. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it could go either way, obviously um, well, one team's headed in one direction. The other isn't, you know, kind of in, in free fall right now, but uh, that's, that's why they play the games as they say. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I think I, I would think 21 points or so might be enough to win this game. As you said, Missouri has been strong defensively. Tennessee's shown it's perfectly willing to play those low scoring types of games. It's going to be a pretty cold night that uh, usually doesn't uh, doesn't 
you know, help the offenses necessarily or help help passing games at least. So uh, n- no reason to think this is going to turn into a shootout. So it's it's you know at the end of the day, it's going to come down to to whether Tennessee can continue to execute in those kinds of games, and and they do have to avoid some of the mistakes they made against Kentucky when they they weren't really sharp in that game. If they make some of those types of mistakes again, it could be uh, a tougher game than, than we're thinking it might be for them. I mean, you, you certainly can't overlook a Missouri team that Tennessee's beaten only twice, I believe, right, since they came into the conference and once at Missouri. So this is still a tough game until further notice. And even though Missouri's not been playing well, they've, they've got to show up ready to play. Yeah, and I'll say this too. You know, Pat, you made a really good point about Mizzou's defense. But even without Garrett, they've been – for the most part, pretty solid there. And I think that the jury is very much out on Barry Odom as a head coach. I mean, we'll see if he can do this or not. I think there's there might be as much reason to think he can't as he can. But, but I do know his chops as a defensive coach. He's a good defensive football coach. They've played – pretty darn good defense around there for a while they've developed a lot of line linemen uh that they've had some solid not maybe not spectacular but some solid linebackers they've been solid on the back end they've just been a, a really kind of you know compact well put together well coached defense for a while i th- i think so yeah that that's going to be a challenge there and, and here's what i'm wondering here's the big thing before we step out of here guys is we saw tennessee last season at this exact point right and in fact you could argue that last season at this time, Tennessee's a 5-5 five and five team that had gone on the road to beat Auburn and had beaten 11th-ranked Kentucky more convincingly than it beat a Kentucky team that wasn't as good. And that game this season you know, was in Lexington, obviously. So you could argue that 5-5 five and five Tennessee a year ago maybe in some ways looked better than 5-5 five and five Tennessee does now. You could argue that. And we know what happened toward the end of last season. So what my question is, how is this team compared to where it was 365 days ago, and can this team finish better, or will this team finish better than that one did? I know it can, but will it? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's you know, and, and Pruitt and the players, they're not one to get into too much about last year. The biggest thing to me is, is that Tennessee had an open date before these last two games. They had a chance to catch their breath, uh, get, get some fuel back in the tank, because I think last season they ran out of gas there at the end. They looked like a team that uh, had used up just about all that was in the tank for that Kentucky game. Um, and and that was, you know, that, that was the big difference, or that's the big difference when I compare those two situations. The other thing is uh, it feels like this Tennessee team has momentum, and they haven't played great, but they found ways to win over this stretch of uh, the past three and four of the past five. Uh, like I said, it, they've, they've haven't, you know, they haven't played a perfect game, but they have sort of, just sort of find ways to, to grind it out. And uh, I think this team is better built to do that, and they have um, more momentum to do that. So uh, the last season's team, it felt like the Kentucky game, the Auburn game, felt like that was, I don't want to say flukes, but you know you never knew what you were going to get with this team. And I think they were probably, they probably played a little bit above themselves um, in, in those two games last season. And so that that's, you know, and that's how they got to, to five wins. This team um, is, is finding a way is to win when they haven't played great. Um, and it feels like they you kind of know what you're going to get. You know you're going to get, you know, the defense is going to play well enough to keep Tennessee in a game, uh, depending on the opponent, either for three quarters or for the whole game. The offense has some ability, some spurt ability, uh, has some playmakers on the outside that they can use. But you, you, you kind of feel like you know what you're going to get with, with uh, this Tennessee team, and it feels like they can play better. Uh, with the team last year, it felt like, you know, Auburn and Kentucky, that was as good as that it could get. And it was, you know, the way they played in those games was going to be tough to replicate uh, at the end of the season when they didn't have anything in the tank. So 
Uh, but the big thing to me is, is the open date. And, and Tennessee, it's a small sample size, but as I mentioned before, in their past two open dates uh, with, with Pruitt as the head coach, they beat Auburn and played Georgia pretty tough. So I think you could see a similar kind of bump uh, in this game on Saturday night. Yeah, it just, yeah, make, it just makes me wonder, Ryan, because before you, before you answer, I, I just want to say that or, or ask both of y'all quickly. I, I think that, you know, Tennessee's two best wins last season – probably on the balance were more impressive than any win they've had this season or am i am i misremembering that no i i think that's a that's a very fair point i mean they they played really well i thought in that auburn game especially jared garantano and they, they had some big plays in the passing game obviously and, and sort of you know got got auburn down what double digits in that game mm-hmm. going into the final final seven or eight minutes so uh, that that was an impressive performance kentucky you know they were sort of in control of that game pretty early and and just never let Kentucky back in it and, and only gave up seven points. So, uh, yeah, that they were, they were much more thorough and, and dominant in those games in a way than anything they've been this year. Uh, you could argue the South Carolina game was that sort of performance, but that, that had a, a couple, not, not fluky, but a couple, you know, things that are tough to replicate with a, a two special teams touchdowns. And, yes. uh, you know, South Carolina certainly hung right there with them the entire first half. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think they played, and, and Jeremy Pruitt's continued to make this point. It's totally fair. You know, coaches are always perfectionists and looking for that next step they can take as a team. But I think he's absolutely right. This team's yet to play anything resembling a complete game, and that's that's got to be the challenge to this team because you, you you can't take anything for granted going on the road and against a team that that has as as many solid players as Missouri does on both sides of the ball. So uh, th- this is going to be a hard fought game, I think. Even though I I do think Tennessee is very capable of winning it, and They've, they've got to play better. That's how they've got to look at it. They, they have to assume that they're going to need to play better than they did against Kentucky uh, because that, if they are going to have a tougher type of uh, game down the stretch in one of these final two games, I think it is you know more likely to come from Missouri. This has got to be their you – know, if they've got a, a, another game, uh, another step in them to, to make here down the stretch, they need it to come forward in this game. Vanderbilt obviously you know, might be one of the, the weakest opponents on their entire schedule, the way they've been playing. They, they need their best effort in this game because this is their, their real challenge here down the stretch, I think. And, um, you know, it's, it's probably going to be kind of a, uh, you know, close to the vest, low scoring, just hard fought late November kind of game that, um, that, that might not be pretty, but they, they're going to need to play better and sh- sharper on both sides of the ball to pull it out probably. Yeah, I know, I know Vanderbilt's had Tennessee's number the past few seasons but uh tennessee's gonna have to try really really hard to lose that game yeah they're, they're uh, a special I just, kind of I don't, bad yeah. i just i don't i don't see that happening with uh final game for Juwan jennings and so many other guys that have a lot of pride and um aren't gonna want to have their last home game be a, a loss to vanderbilt so um uh, it's kind of they kind of got that one in the bag obviously if you're if you're the tenant if you're tennessee's coaches and, and players you can't operate like you're absolutely going to win that game um but you it is nice to know that they you know if they don't get this one against Missouri, they still have that one sort of in the back pocket there. But uh, and and they maybe that's more reason to try to go out and be a little bit more uh, adventurous and and see you know try to empty the bucket so to speak a little bit more in this Missouri game. So, uh, but yeah, it it could go either way. I you know this point of the week, I'm still not sure which way I'm leaning towards who I'm going to pick. But um, I think it's certainly a game Tennessee can win, and uh, certainly based off momentum and sort of uh, the identity that this team is is sort of built and and the way they're. Um, grinding out results right now. I, th- I think if you're Tennessee, you have to feel good about your chances uh, going into this game, even though it may not be. Uh, it's not. It's not going to be easy. No SEC win is. So, uh, but I don't know, we'll just have to see what happens when they put the ball down and go play. Well, and if I'm Jeremy Pruitt, I'm you know sure getting to a bowl game is the ultimate motivation, but 
Uh, there's a big difference between six and six and seven and five, quite possibly in the in the SEC bowl pecking order. And let's face it, you can get to an eight win season if you, if you finish out the season with three more wins, including a bowl game. So there's a lot on the line, and and that might include a trip to Florida for a bowl game as opposed to staying in state or something like that. So uh, if I'm if I'm Jeremy Pruitt, you know, even though I'm not publicly wanting to talk about bowls, I'm I'm trying to sell my players on, hey, you you want to get to Florida or somewhere pretty fun? Let's let's go out and win these last two games and play in a pretty good bowl against a quality opponent and maybe have a more exciting end of this season than uh, you know, not there's anything wrong at all with going to Memphis or Nashville for a bowl when you haven't been to a bowl in the last two years. But, you know, there's, there's at least an enticing possibility of a trip to, to, to Jacksonville, or if the stars align, maybe even Tampa, if things fall your way down the stretch. So that's, that's what I'm selling to those players and saying, Hey, we don't need just one more win. We need two. It's a very good point, guys. I think that's a good place to leave it. We're going to take a take a break for just a second. We're going to go pay some bills, listen to some in-house ads and some some products and some services and other good stuff. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little Tennessee basketball. The Vols with a big, big, uh, impressive win over Washington uh, over this over the weekend in Canada, and uh, w- which is this whole other country. In case you didn't know that, so we're going to talk to uh, I guess now our international man of mystery, Grant Ramey, after we get back from this break in just one second. Hashtag. Uh, this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a moment ago. We always appreciate those who choose to listen to the commercials rather than just skip fast forward through them as technology allows you to do. I know that it's it's tempting to do that, but we appreciate those who who stay and listen to the sponsors. Uh, joined as as promised earlier by our our quasi hoops genius, quasi real life moron Grant Ramey. Grant, uh, so you went to Toronto over the weekend. You came back in one piece. It seems. Uh, how was the weekend? It was cold. Uh, There's a lot of good food involved. Need to go on a diet, hit the treadmill a little bit to recover. And sleep a little bit, and we'll be good to go. Bro, the first place that you sent me a text message from in Canada was the actual gym in your hotel. So you can't play that No, game. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I was in the customs line. I saw Mark Tressman in the customs line, which as a Bears fan, I didn't know if I should be starstruck or go punch him in the face. <laughs> but I saw him. He was there. Okay, that's the, maybe the second one. Maybe the second photo was the one from the weight room. Of the of the hotel. Well, they put those weights there for a reason. You got to go down there and lift them up. It's true. That's true. Why put a weight there? What you want it collecting dust? I mean, you know, putting all exactly. those Canadians to shame. Grant, that game. In case uh, for those who missed it earlier, when we were talking just a tiny bit about the game uh, in the first couple segments, it was Tennessee seventy-five, Washington sixty-two. There at the James Naismith Classic at the home of the Toronto Raptors, and and I thought it was interesting to me that I always kind of liked this matchup for Tennessee. And even though Washington was ranked and Tennessee wasn't, both pretty much uh, all the experts like Vegas, Ken Palm, ESPN's BPI, et cetera, et cetera, pretty much all those places expected a Tennessee win. 
So it was interesting to see some of the headlines say, Tennessee upsets Washington, when I'm not really sure that's what happened. I think Tennessee probably should have been in the poll and definitely will be now. But regardless, that was a good Washington team that had one of the best has one of the best freshman classes in the country. Uh, plays that two three Syracuse zone that, that that gives a lot of people problems. There's a lot of length. I think that team has like what seven guys or something like six ten or six six nine or tall or something crazy like that. All that length, all those problems, all those good freshmen. Uh, and Tennessee went out there rolling seven deep, just twenty two minutes off the bench total, and they go out there and handle it. Yeah, I mean ever since kind of analytics has come into the focus and, and guys like Ken Palm have done what they've done with college basketball. I mean, th- that's the thing I was looking at going into that game. Washington was 20th in the poll, the AP poll. There are 46 on Ken Palm and Tennessee is not ranked in the AP poll. I think they were 21st, uh, according to Ken Palm going into that game yesterday. So something has to give in one of those situations. And then going into that game, I thought either Tennessee handles its business and plays well uh, and wins the game like the computers reflect they can win, where they go in there and Isaiah Stewart goes for 30 and 20, kind of, you know, go off performance. Jade McDaniel does a ton for them. Uh, maybe Quad A Green has a good, I mean, there's a ton of talent on that Washington team. And that zone, like you said, can give people fits because, you know, there's a reason they've ran it. Jim Beheim ran it for so long at oh, yeah. Syracuse and continues to run it. Uh, but what Tennessee did just start to finish the way they attacked that zone, they just got to the foul line. Uh, basically dared Isaiah Stewart to come out there and defend them and, and pick up another foul after John Fulkerson uh, kind of forced him into two early fouls. And it was like they didn't have an answer for it. I, I think we counted up like 21, 22 kind of mid-range jump shots that Tennessee just stood there and took over the course of the game. And uh, and they made a ton of them. They, they probably shot 50% on those. Uh, and they made a ton of them in the first half. And they, I mean, honestly, I was surprised at kind of how easy it looked. They, they shot, you know, something like 60% in the first half from the field, 50% from three. Eve Pons keeps doing what he's doing. Uh, Jordan Bowden had 15 of his 18 in the first half after he scored 19 of his 26 in the second half against Murray State. So that's 40 minutes of really good basketball between those two halves. And uh, Lamonte Turner, obviously his shoulder's still bothering him. Uh, it's pretty clear when you look at his field goal percentages. I think he's 5 for 24 in his last two games, but he has 22 assists. He's the second best assist man in the country right now through three games, which is a uh, pretty incredible for him and he's, he's grabbing rebounds too he's, he's got 12 or 14 rebounds to this point so what Tennessee's doing with the guys it's playing like you mentioned they they tighten the rotation quite a bit with only seven guys uh really only six because J- Jalen Johnson was the seventh man of the rotation he only played six minutes and they got 72 of their 75 points from the starters so I don't know how long that formula lasts and if if they can get by with it for a certain amount of time but it worked on Saturday and they're impressive well, I'll tell you what I like about that Hopkins guy at Washington is that he learned from a – say whatever you will about Jim Beheim. Uh, you also have to say he's a really good basketball coach. And, you know, not all zone defenses are the same. People think, oh, you just go into zone. No, that that's not – I mean, all zones are different, and not all zones are created equal. And Beheim doesn't just run that zone. He recruits to that zone. They always have that length. They always have the ability, guys who can defend in that zone – and when you look at the way Washington has recruited since Hopkins got there, he, they basically are trying to recruit to that same exact system. And it's going to work. They're going to have success out there because Hopkins is a guy who was a long time, you know, seen as kind of the heir apparent at Syracuse. Maybe he will go back there and coach at some point. But they know what they're doing. And they've been a pretty good program since he's been there. And they've been able to recruit some big-time players. So there's lots of good things going on there. But what I really, really liked – was that Tennessee going against that 2-3. You know what a lot of teams do against 2-3 zones? They just chuck and duck, right? 
You pass the ball around the perimeter, and you throw up a three. That's what you do. Tennessee, in 40 minutes, uh, put up 13 three-pointers. That's it. And made six of them. And that's despite one of normally one of your best shooters, Lamonte Turner, still struggling and going one for five. So they had a plan versus this zone, and they stuck to that plan. And Grant, I'm sitting here wondering if maybe the biggest reason Tennessee didn't, you know, extend the bench in this game, and, and maybe you heard something about this, maybe they haven't talked about it. But because of they, they play that zone, they don't really push it very much. And so you, you maybe can buy some more minutes here or there. But really, against that 2-3 zone, you have to make good decisions. And he seemed to go with the guys that he thought he could trust. Yeah, I don't think tempo is an issue at all. I think it was a pretty uh, pretty slow game. And, and Rick did kind of mention that in post game that you know the, the next step for this team is developing guys on the bench that they can trust in those minutes. Uh, he said they just couldn't really afford to throw them out there against a team as talented as Washington. And, and credit Washington, they adjusted in the second half pretty well. Uh, I thought they gave Tennessee a much tougher a half of basketball after halftime, and they got within seven a couple times. Uh, and I guess you credit Tennessee, too, because they found answers. Josiah James hit a really deep three. That was a big shot for him. Uh, Jordan Bowden, he hadn't scored all, at all in the second half uh, and kind of wondering where he was, and he had to turn around jumper in the lane to help them build the lead. Uh, there's another possession where Lamonte Turner had it uh, at the top of the key, and the shot clock's winding down. He drives through traffic and finishes with his left hand off the glass. So uh, there were some impressive answers by Tennessee. I just kept wondering, sitting there, how Tennessee in the first half made beating that zone uh, look as simple as it did. And you mentioned the discipline they had to beat it. They ran the same stuff over and over. If if I'm sitting halfway, you know, up the bleachers towards the rafters and I can see what's going on and, and how easy it is. That's a problem. And Mike Hopkins, a guy that's, you know, been under Bayham as long as he has and been on Syracuse as long as they have, there's there's they've they've seen every possible way to beat a zone from opponents over yes, the years. I yes. was just surprised that Tennessee made it look that simple, but I think you can you can look at that scout. This was Kim English's scout, the new assistant coach that replaced Rob Lanier over the offseason. Mm-hmm. Obviously, where did he come from the last two seasons? Colorado the Pac-12, he's seen this Washington zone, Uh, he's familiar with this program, Uh, and it was effective. I mean, he was in command at shoot-around Saturday morning, he knew what he wanted, and he was was, uh, leading the guys around and and showing them how to do it, and and they went out there and executed, and actually wrote about this last night when uh, Kim got on the team charter after the game to go back. Uh, Rick Barnes introduced him in front of the plane as Dr. English, so I think that's how impressed he was with that scout, and uh, they went in there and they handled their business. Yeah, here's here's what's interesting to me, Grant. Well, there's a lot of things that are interesting for for me about this game. First off, we we thought that Josiah Jordan James would be kind of maybe the uh, the triple double guy on this team. Maybe he was a guy who'd go out there and get a few of those during the season. And, and at some point, he might. Um, but it looks like Lamonte Turner might beat him to the punch. Lamonte, despite as we mentioned, he, he's struggling his shoulders. He doesn't want to talk about them because they're bothering him, and he's frustrated by it. And you know, I get that, but. Uh, there's some things out there that he's not able to do comfortably right now, but what does he do? He goes out there and he gets 16 points, seven rebounds, eight assists. He did have six turnovers. They're going to have to clean that up. But he also had two steals and one chase down block that was just sort of amazing for a kid who's about six foot one, maybe. So, you know, that that was just the way he's playing the game right now. It's a really mature game, it looks like, because this is a guy who 
he knows for for so for so long since he's been in Tennessee, right? He's been the big shot guy. He's the big shot taker, the big shot maker. He wants the ball in his hands in those spots. Um, but it, we've seen him grow as a player throughout the years, and and he became a much better defensive player. Now he's become sort of just a really really good perimeter defender. Um, and a guy who can go get chased down blocks too. But he's also mature enough to go out there and realize, you know what, if I can't hit threes like I normally do, if I can't be LaMontre, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get rebounds and assists and play defense and we're still going to win. And that to me is just the sign of a just a, a darn near complete player at this point in his career. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a huge step forward for him. Uh, obviously this shoulder, it's, it's been a problem for a long time. It cost him almost the entire non-conference schedule last year. He didn't really show up until January. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't available until January. I, I think when they played Georgia is kind of when he jumped back in full time uh, to open the SEC schedule. Uh, and it's something that still bothers him. I think he. I think there's pain there when he lifts his arm above his head, which obviously, uh, for a basketball player, for a shooter, Quite a for bit. somebody that wants to shoot from the perimeter like he does, that's that's not good. Uh, and you have to wonder how they address it. They they have to have him on the floor. Now, coming up, they have Alabama State, one of the worst teams in college basketball. Uh, after that, they have Chattanooga, not a good basketball team, uh, an 11-win team last year. A decent team, uh, though. I think, I, think, that, I think Chattanooga's playing to, decent right now, though. But, yeah, you're, 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 you're right. But I mean, it's not Florida State. Like yeah. they, you know, they have a couple weeks down in Florida. Uh, it's not either VCU or Purdue like they'll have the next day. And then after that, it's a 10-day break, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe there's a Jacksonville State game after that. Then there's a 10-day break for finals, uh, and then they have that huge game against Memphis on December 14th. So I don't know how you address this shoulder, if it's something you just manage as the year goes on. I don't know if you try to uh, sideline him for a minute uh, against some of these lesser opponents, try to get by without him and and try to lean on some of your younger guys. Uh, But they got to figure something out because – uh, it's great that he's doing what he's doing with assists and rebounds uh, and, and just kind of leading this offense and affecting the game in other ways. But at some point, they're going to need him to score. At some point, there's going to be a game where Eve Ponce uh, can't do what he's done after three games, which uh, credit to him, he's a completely different player. Uh, and there's going to be a game where Jordan Bowden doesn't hit shots like he has the last two nights. So those days are coming. It's just a matter of who answers the bell uh, when they happen and, and how Lamonte's shoulders feeling at that point. Well, clearly that's a game where, where the folks going to drop 30. I mean, right. Triple double folk. Yeah, tri- triple Fulkerson. Yeah, there's no question about it. But yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, Grant. And I wasn't trying to say that Chattanooga's great. I just I know that they're they think they're a better team this year than they were last year. And you know, I know some right. people down there, and they, they they have been playing better this season. They look better than they did last year because last year they were just a complete train wreck. Um, but I think they may have things in a little better place now. But you're right. They've got Alabama State. They got Chattanooga. Then they got that tough field down there at the Emerald Coast Classic. And then things get a little bit softer after that until you play Memphis and Cincinnati there in the middle of December. So if you're someone who watches the NBA, you're you're aware of the term load management. Uh, th- this could be a load management week coming up for, for Turner. Because, I listen, I've, I've seen teams that play just seven guys and, and go really far. You can do it. I mean, I've seen some – I mean, I remember there have been before some really, really thin Syracuse teams because of the zone they played and other things they were able to kind of get through it, and, and you can do it. But the way Tennessee wants to play the game, uh, the way they want to pick up full court, the way they want to push, the way they want to get shots up in the first seven seconds of the shot clock, the way they want to push tempo, 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 you I don't think you can play pretty much six guys doing that. It, it's just it, the numbers don't bear that out. And, and I think that's something that – even if most of those guys are upperclassmen and, and then one freak athlete and James, I, I, I don't know that you can get away with that. So at some point, 
you know, they either need to get good news on this Plavsic thing or they need to just take some lumps with other guys because it can't last forever, can it? No, it can't. And, and, and Euros not traveling with the team to Toronto, uh, that, that tells you what you need to know. They haven't heard back on from the NCAA on this second appeal. Uh, I don't know when they'll hear back. Rick said last week that they're hoping to hear back last week. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, I, bet, I bet you got to look at somebody like Jalen Johnson. I mean, a redshirt junior, he can only play six minutes against Washington. He's got to give this team more. Uh, Olivia Campbell, he gave them some pretty good minutes in the first half. He didn't see a ton in the second half. Uh, you just kind of go down the list. Uh, Drew Pember, maybe, you know, Devontae Gaines, he gave them some good stuff against UNC Asheville in the season opener. Uh, he didn't play so well against Murray State, and he didn't play at all against Washington. Uh, so yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna trim the rotation uh, and keep it pretty trim in these tougher games. Uh, I think you tend to do that in March. You you tighten down the rotation quite a bit, uh, but in between when they have the chance, they have to get as many minutes as they can out of these young guys because all season you're going to be relying on these same guys: Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bowen, John Fulkerson, Josiah Jordan, James, Eve Ponds. Go down the list. Those are the guys you're going to rely on every night, uh, and you're going to have to find a way to try to keep them fresh and. Uh, with Lamonte's shoulder, I don't know how you manage that. It, it's not a knee where you can go in and scope it. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but I assume there's not much you can do for a shoulder um, when you have a 10-day final break or when you have a kind of a break in the schedule. Yeah, you can. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to have to get these young guys involved and uh, go from there. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it's interesting that, you know, you, you, you talk about things like you know that that bench and and some of those guys that could step up and do some things and and I wonder this may have been a tinfoil hat thing but I wondered after that first night the opening night against Asheville you know you you see Barnes just praising Gaines so much saying how he's been the biggest surprise in camp and he's calling him by his his nickname ticket instead of his name you know Devonte and you're like did Rick Barnes go home and be like I was way too nice to him I, I can't do that and so then the next game out there against Murray State, he's sitting there riding the kid and riding the kid, and the kid makes a couple mistakes, and he gets frustrated, and then he's not playing at all against Washington. I just wonder if Rick's kind of thinking, you know, I just, I've just i been too nice to him. I think I need to be a little bit mean to him for a little bit and push him. I think about these things. Maybe yeah. I'm crazy. It, it, I know it's, it's, it's definitely something um, that could be happening. I mean, you can go back. You can look at just about any player that Rick's had the last few years that, that we've watched. Admiral Schofield could barely get off the bench the first couple seasons. He was in the doghouse quite a bit. Uh, Jordan Bone was always somebody that he was going after and, and somebody that would get benched for Lamonte Turner to start at point guard uh, for a couple games here or there. Uh, even Grant Williams, one time I think he, he didn't start him in an exhibition game, uh, maybe when he was a sophomore, uh, to kind of send a message. So he's definitely a message sender. Uh, if, if you're going to make a mistake, he's not going to be afraid to uh, sit you down and, and kind of let you learn from that. I think the positives outweigh the, the negatives so far with, with uh, Devontae and what he did against UNC Asheville versus what he's done since you know the limited minutes we've seen him since then. But he's one of those guys that I thought against UNC Asheville looked really comfortable on the floor, did not look like a freshman at all. So if they can get some more of those minutes out of guys like that, then uh, that'll help them along in the long run because uh, this, this December schedule you mentioned coming up, Memphis, Cincinnati, uh, they have uh, Wisconsin at home right after Christmas. Uh, they got a couple tough games in a couple weeks down there at the Emerald Coast Classic. So uh, they're about to. They, they've passed two tests these last couple games. Uh, they've done well to answer the bell against Murray State and Washington. Uh, now they got a few more tests coming down the road. 
Yeah, Grant, when you look at it just from the box score, you know, you, you which is how a lot of people in America had to view the game live because, you know, they said it was going to be on ESPN Plus, but so a lot of people had a, had a hard time getting it. Now you can see the replay that's been uploaded. But, um, you know, a lot of people didn't get to see the game live in person. You know, I, I think a lot of other people were, were going to that big concert Saturday night in Knoxville, so the Garth Brooks show. So I, I know a lot of people only saw bits and pieces of the game. So when you look at the box score, you see that Tennessee scores 40 in the first half with Bowden going bonkers, then scoring 15 points. And then Tennessee scores 35 points in the second half, almost the same production with Bowden only getting three points. Uh, what happened? Did, did, did Washington do something to to sort of focus more on Bowden, or did he just kind of just, just stop being aggressive? I think they adjusted. Uh, I think they took away the middle of the floor. They they didn't really let them get to the free throw line as much. They also came out and, and tried to trap on the first pass and, and, and kind of extend that defense out to the half-court line, and, and that slowed down Tennessee quite a bit. Uh, but Eve Pons, you know, he kind of kept scoring at, at his rate. Uh, John Fulkerson had some important minutes and some important points down the stretch. Uh, Josiah James had a had a couple good drives to the bucket. He finished one with a two-hand dunk. He finished another with a left hand. Uh, he hit a really deep three that, that I mentioned earlier that put them back up 10. Uh, and and I, th- I thought Washington hung pretty tough in the second half and, and, and got really close to actually making it a uh, some nervous few minutes of Tennessee basketball. But every time they got back within seven, Tennessee just kind of found an answer. And uh, for a while, that wasn't Jordan Bowden, which could be, you know, good news. Um, Tennessee's going to need other people to score. Uh, he did a ton of it in the second half against Murray State and the first half against Washington uh, it was good for them when when he wasn't scoring in the second half Saturday that they found answers and and they kind of uh, you know they they played the chess game and adjusted to Washington's adjustments uh, and did enough for a really nice win. Yeah, and I think that of all the guys who played, really, I think Lamonte was the only one who didn't shoot better than fifty percent from the floor, from the floor. And, and Lamonte did go nine of eleven from the free throw line. You know, you had Fulkerson going six of six from the line. You know, I mean, I think that was big for Lamonte to go back up there and start hitting some free throws because even his free throw shot had been off for a little bit there. So that that was a good sign. There were lots of uh, good signs in that game. But before we step out of here, Grant, I got to ask you, you were there in the gym. You saw uh, Pons blocking Carter there uh, at the at the rim, I believe it was. Uh, and then who, who's, you know, one of the better dunkers in college basketball. For people who don't know, this kid can absolutely fly and and Pons just completely stuffed one in the kid's face that he was not expecting. And then you had Lamonte Turner at, at maybe six foot one doing the chase down block in transition. Which impressed you more? Uh, the chase down block was impressive because of the hustle, uh, just for him to get back uh, and to find a way to block that at his size. Uh, the Pons block was impressive just because uh, I don't know the last time I saw a freak play kind of a freak athlete make that kind of play. I mean, it looks like the dude uh, was on a pogo stick. The shame uh, on that possession is the, that the ball bounces out to the perimeter. Quade Green, I think it was Quade Green, grabs it, goes in and, and dunks it. Uh, and so Washington scores on that possession. And I think Quade, if, if I'm remembering right, it was one of those players. They, they went back down the other way, letting the Tennessee bench know that, that they finished that possession with the dunk. But, I mean, you go back and watch the replay. It's like Eve almost puts his head in the cylinder. Uh, you're right about Carter. Uh, he was the best player on the floor for Washington. He's been really impressive. Uh, and yeah, he can fly. Uh, and he went up there to dunk that and, and somehow Eve climbed a ladder and went straight up, didn't make any contact with him, uh, and just met that block perfectly on the ball. It's a shame it bounced straight out to another Washington player, but, uh, in terms of just seeing something in person, in terms of a basketball play, 
Uh, that's as impressive as I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, uh, Pond's elbow got above the score, like above the rim on that play. His elbow did, um, which is just, yeah. I mean, it, maybe even crazy. his head got above the rim. It it was absurd how. I would like to see what his standing and running verticals are because that's just, I mean, that's, that's rare, but you know, you, you talked about the play there, the unfortunate, here's the worst part about it, you know, cause green, I think collected the ball and went back up and put up a shot, but it was Carter who dunked it down. So Carter gets off the ground, gets up and goes and dunks the ball after he had had that humiliation, humiliating rejection just a second ago. So the basketball gods punished Eve Pons for no reason there, but uh, yeah, that it's, was it's a good life. Even if, even if a Frenchman ends your life on the basketball court, just get up and try to find a way to dunk. Yeah, just get up again, have the ball bounce your way, and then flush it home the second time. We already talked a little bit about this, Grant, so we don't have to mention much of this before we get out of here. But, you know, this this week is, um, you know, clearly things – I like that Tennessee's non-conference schedule, it kind of heats up and then it cools down – and then it heats up again and gets hot, hot, hot until SEC play starts. So you're kind of getting the team ready. I think it was laid out really well that way. This, to me, it seemed like they scheduled these next couple of games just in case things didn't go well against Washington and they had to kind of come home and lick some wounds because Rick Barnes doesn't like buy games. And, and what I mean by buy games, I mean B-U-Y, buy games, where you buy a win. And he doesn't like doing a lot of those games, but he knows you need some of them. And these are a couple of bye games because, uh, you know, maybe if things didn't go well against the Huskies, you come back and get some things right, get your confidence back up before you go down to that Emerald Coast Classic. Um, but the way it sets up now, uh, maybe they can, the next couple games, find a way to get some of these young guys out here more and, and see if they can start lengthening this bench a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And, and kind of the way these games kind of come together – uh, right before a tournament, technically Alabama State and Chattanooga are part of the uh, Emerald Coast Classic field. Yes, uh, they just play campus games instead of traveling uh, to Destin in a couple weeks to play those games. So they'll, they'll go and play, you know, just about every team that's that's in this bracket in this tournament, uh, like Florida State, Purdue, VCU, Tennessee. So that helps them, and obviously it helps the bigger programs as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it stands to benefit Tennessee a ton because you know that's that's one of the things Rick's me- Rick mentioned without really being asked about it uh, after the game Saturday was they need to de- develop these young guys, even though they they felt like they couldn't really throw them out there uh, in the second half against Washington for uh, some important minutes. Uh, these are the games where you you rely a ton on them. Uh, Alabama State I think is like three thirteen in the Ken Palm. Uh, Chattanooga's in the you know uh, low two hundreds I believe or, or maybe high two hundreds I can't remember somewhere in that range, uh, and, and then you, you go back down to, to Destin for a, a pretty tough test against a Florida State team that, that went to Florida uh, about a week ago and handled its business really well. Uh, and then a VCU team, maybe you play them, maybe LSU at home the other day, or, or Purdue, obviously. Everybody knows the history with Purdue. That's a good basketball program. So yeah. uh, that, that all just kind of leads into a, a sold-out Memphis game, a really tough test on the road at Cincinnati. I believe that's the first true road game of the season. Uh, Wisconsin sold out at home. Uh, you just go down the list. It, it's going to be a fun December, uh, and you're going to know a lot more at the end of the month about this Tennessee basketball team going into SEC play than you know sitting here right now, and that's the way Rick Barnes wants it to happen. Yeah, and I can tell you that for people who are like, oh, Carson Edwards left, uh, yeah, there's still some 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 players there at Purdue. A couple of their, their really good players last year were freshmen. Uh, Ryan Klein is still there too, and that dude just absolutely massacred Tennessee last year. The, the, that was, to me, still the most shocking part of that game was the way that, that Klein just went up there and just went bonkers. So 
Just bringing his name up, you just made everybody throw their phone out the car window or drive off the road or yeah. uh, whatever. They're, what, oh, however they're listening to the pod, you just on, made them do oh, something. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Big news. I actually think I may have gotten that wrong. He might have been a senior last year. Okay. Well, it's too late because everybody already destroyed their phones after the, you mentioned it. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. You cannot destroy. I'm looking. Hold on, Grant. Hold on. That sound you hear is me is me typing. And, and the funny part now is, is Grant and Carson Edwards are besties with the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I bet that had to be a little bit awkward at first, didn't it? Oh, it was awkward. Grant Grant said he he heard about it a lot uh, when he first got up there. Yeah, I'm I'm looking this up now. I think that there's a chance that let me see here. I got this wrong. I did indeed get that wrong. He is gone. So how about that? But uh, Harms is still Disney there. Fans have never been happier for you to be wrong. Harms is still there though, and uh, the big kid, the Aaron Wheeler kid. They they still got some kids there. There's some good players. So that's still. Still, still a tough game if, if if that's the way it works out. So that'll be fun. But Grant, I know that you're up against it, buddy. I know it's been a, a long couple of days, and I know we got another long week coming up. So uh, I'm gonna let you step on out of here, and uh, we'll end this podcast. I'm gonna go sunbathe in the 60 degree heat wave outside. There you go. Appreciate it. Be right back in just one second, guys. Hashtag. Uh... <laughs> Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads and other things you may or may not have just heard during that commercial break. Uh, always appreciate those who choose to listen to the commercials rather than just fast forward or skipping right past them. Uh, but if you are one of those people who does that, that is your right as a citizen of this free world. Guys, we're about to take a take a break and get on out of here for good. But uh, before I do that, I just want to give another reminder. I know I've been doing this a lot lately, so you know probably what I'm about to say if you're a frequent listener. But just in case you're not, guys, right now, if you go sign up at GoVols247.com or really on any 24-7 sports site, obviously we'd rather it be GoVols247. But if you go sign up for any 24-7 sports site, now you will get free in in perpetuity, one of my favorite words, in perpetuity, you will get full access to CBS All Access. And that's the plus, the Rolls-Royce package, the $100 a year, no ad package. Uh, And for that, you get... Uh, in addition to live SEC football and live NFL football, uh, you know, it's live World Series of Poker stuff, uh, lots of news and analysis that you can only get there, uh, lots of um, – there's some podcast stuff you can only get on there down the road. Uh, I'm imagining there's going to be some of that UEFA Champions League, uh, which is now going to be at CBS and Univision for the next few years, uh, starting, I believe, in 2021. So pretty pretty soon, right around the corner here, it's going to go to CBS – uh, right here in the family, right here in the lovely eye of America, you'll be able to get access to all that for free, for free, no commercials, and also you will get free access to every single thing in the CBS catalog. Every show, all the CBS movies, all the CBS shows, in addition to some movies that were actually, you know, just regular old Hollywood movies and stuff like that, that that changes every month or so. They put new ones on there. So I know there's a lot of people streaming out there, and, and you don't want to, you know, you're like, do I want to pay for this one? If I'm cutting the cord, do I pay for this? Do I pay for that? What do I pay for? 
How about CBS All Access, which you can get for free if you sign up for GoVols247.com. So in addition to getting 30% off of an annual subscription to our site, which is already a pretty good deal, less than 10 bucks a month, you do, you do it by the 30%. Uh, that's a really good discount there. And now we're putting $100 in your pocket. $100 per year we're just going to put in your pocket. We're not adding to our price point. We are not doing anything like that. There are no catches here. There, there's no gotcha moment coming. Just sign up for GoBoss247.com, which you know you already want to do anyway. If you listen to this podcast, you're probably the kind of person that's going to really, really like our website, which is full access to Tennessee, everything, football, basketball, football recruiting, basketball recruiting, baseball. Uh, Maria Cornelius does a great job covering all things Lady Vols in multiple sports, and, and right now they're doing they're doing pretty well, guys. <laughs> they're off to a pretty good start So uh, with, the new, with the Kelly Harper era. So lots of things that you can get as just regular – just regular, just be a member of GoBoss 24-7. And now we're throwing $100 in your pocket every year if you do that. So go do that. Go do that. Why would you not do that? Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Go do that. Either way. Either way. Thanks for listening, as always, guys. You can find all of us on social media. I'm at Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. You can find Patrick Brown at P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. You can find Ryan Callahan on Twitter at Ryan Callahan 24-7. And you can find Grant Ramey on Twitter at Grant Ramey. No Grant Ramey 24-7, just Grant Ramey, because remember, he's not a team player. But you know what he does a really good job of? He runs our Facebook page at facebook.com slash goboss247, and he does an outstanding job of that. So go to facebook.com slash govals247, or if you want Tennessee news on Twitter and you don't necessarily want any of the personal stuff I say or, you know, Ryan or Pat or Grant or anything like that, because we all know how Pat is with his personal life, just throwing everything out there all the time. If you don't want that, you can just go to twitter.com slash govals247, and we'll hook you up there. Or if you want to go straight to the hose, drink straight from the hose. Go to GoVols247.com where you can get 30% off an annual subscription right now and you get free access to CBS All Access. The Rolls-Royce package, 100 bucks a year. We're just putting it in your pocket. So go do that. I'm not going to judge you if you don't do that, but... Who am I kidding? I'm going to judge you if you don't do that. I'm going to judge you pretty harshly, and I know I shouldn't. I know what the good book says about that, but I'm, I'm, pro- I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to judge you a little bit. And you don't want that, do you? You don't want that. Go do it. GoBoss247.com. If nothing else happens, guys, we will see you to talk more football hoops and everything else on Thursday morning. Hope you have a good week. Stay warm.